This is Harvest Bible Chapel, Joliet. Our passion is leading people into a life-transforming, joy-filled relationship with God. The following message is from our senior pastor, Eric Postoluk. For more information about our church, we invite you to visit us online at harvestjoliet.org. Father in heaven, we acknowledge that you are sovereign over the weather. You've designed every snowflake that's falling right now. God, you are in complete control over this universe, and we rest in that this morning. And God, this morning especially, we focus on your sending your only son, Jesus. And Lord God, as we open up the scriptures to focus on our Savior and his birth, we ask, God, that you would remove every distraction. God, I know that many come here in the morning and there's burdens, there's guilt, there's shame. Whatever would keep people from hearing what your word says this morning, I ask that you would remove it. I pray right now, God, everything else will disappear but what the word of God has to say. I ask for every heart to be open. I pray for those who are new here this morning, who might be feeling like an outsider, Lord, that you would help them to see that they're in the right place, that this is a place where they will be loved, and that they've come to hear the truth and the hope. God, we pray that you will protect us from the evil one. We recognize that we are in a spiritual battle, and so we lift up the shield of faith. And I ask God that you would use me to proclaim your truth this morning. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. A little over 2,000 years ago, God sent an angel by the name of Gabriel to a young Jewish female named Miriam, or more commonly in English, Mary. When Mary was met by Gabriel, she was most likely between the ages of 12 to 16 years. Very young. And Gabriel told Mary that she has been favored by God. He explained to her that she was about to conceive a child by the Holy Spirit. And she was to name this child Yeshua, or more commonly in English, Jesus. The name Yeshua, Jesus, means God saves. This child was coming to save humanity. Now, this baby Jesus would be distinct from every other child because he not only would be the son of Mary, he would also be the son of God. What this meant was that Jesus would be God in a human body. 
Jesus is 100% God and 100% human. One of the titles that is given to Jesus in the Bible is Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. Very fitting when you're 100% human but 100% God. God was about to enter into the world He created in a human body in Jesus Christ. And you might wonder, why do you make such a big deal about Jesus Christ? I mean, you know, there's lots of other religions and there's lots of other belief systems. And why don't you just focus on, you know, the morality and why such a focus on Jesus? I'll tell you why. Because He is God. And When God comes into the world in human flesh, we make a big deal about that because this is different than anything else that's ever happened. Now, while Gabriel was talking to Mary and explaining to her that she would be giving birth to Jesus, he also explained to her that Mary's older, much older relative, Elizabeth, was six months pregnant at the time. Now Elizabeth was somewhere between 60 to 80 years. This was a supernatural occurrence that God brought about in Elizabeth. And so Mary decides to head off and see her relative Elizabeth. And in your Bibles, look at Luke chapter 1 verse 39. This is where we pick up in the passage that we're looking at today. Look at verse 39. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? When Elizabeth says the mother of my Lord, she could just as easily have said, the mother of my God. Verse 44. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. It's interesting how Elizabeth has a Trinitarian understanding of God. She understands that the baby in the womb of Mary is the Lord, the Son of God, but she also understands that the baby was sent by the Lord, God the Father. 
Now, Elizabeth is rejoicing over Mary because she understands that God is about to enter into his creation to save humanity from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, and eventually from the presence of sin in a place called heaven. As Elizabeth rejoices over Mary and Mary begins to grasp the favor of God and, and the miracle that God is bringing about, you've got to understand, the most significant 30 years are about to occur in the history of the world. And Mary is grasping this more and more, and she responds with the first Christmas carol. This is also referred to as the Magnificat. That means magnify in Latin. And the remainder of the passage we're going to look at is Mary's song that she sings in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, in this song that God reveals in Scripture through Mary, He's revealing how He works in the world. More important than the economy, more important than politics, more important than your job and how well that's going, more important even than your health, is understanding how God works in the world. I wonder if you realize that this morning, how critical it is that you actually understand how God works in the world. Nothing is more important than this. And as Mary is singing this song, two foundational truths are revealed regarding how God works in the world. And you need to be aware of these. The first is God works to exalt himself. And the second is God works to exalt the humble. The sooner you understand and embrace how God works the sooner you'll understand life the way that it's designed, the sooner you'll be able to thrive in life in light of who God is and who He made you to be. So I want to dive into this first part here. I want you to notice God works to exalt Himself. God works to exalt Himself. And we're going to see that right in the beginning of the passage here. Look in your Bibles at verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Now that word magnify could be translated glorifies the Lord. My soul praises the Lord. My soul exalts the Lord. Mary is magnifying, glorifying, exalting God. Now you have to understand that God planned this response from Mary. He had been working toward this response of exalting himself through her by bringing about the series of events that occurred. You know, just after Jesus 
was born, God sent a crowd of angels and He worked in them in a similar way. I want you to notice what the angels proclaimed in Luke chapter 2, verse 14. What did they proclaim? Glory to God in the highest. What's God doing? He's exalting Himself through Mary, through the angels. Just before Jesus went to the cross to die and pay for the sins of the world, notice what Jesus Himself says, John 17, 4, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. You know, when I was a kid, I remember some adults on a number of occasions snickering and saying, Eric, you're such a ham. You're such a ham. And I I had no clue what they were talking about when they called me a ham. I was like, ham, pig, lunch meat, what are they talking about? And, and, but I, I said, well, it must be good because they, they're laughing and they seem happy when they tell me I'm a ham. And then one day it hit me what they were actually saying. They were saying, Eric, you're a show-off. You really like to get all the attention. You're, you're a big show-off. I was like... I, 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 I. Oh. Okay, I guess that wasn't what I was thinking. Now listen, if I'm here anytime in the future and, and I say, you know what, everybody? We're not going to open this book today. What we're going to do is we're going to focus on glorifying me today. I want you all to celebrate me. I want you to magnify me. If I ever say anything like that, I expect you to get up and leave immediately. Why? Because I'm not worthy of that type of attention. I'm not great enough to invite your praise. But interesting, interestingly, God works toward this. This is the purpose for sending Jesus. This is the purpose for creating the universe. God is working toward his own exaltation. Why can God do that, but you and I cannot? Because, simple, only he is worthy of that type of attention. Only God is glorious enough to invite the entire universe to endlessly exalt Him, to praise Him, to glorify Him. You have to understand that God designed you in His image. And being created in the image of God, He has a very specific purpose for us. Do you understand what it is? Your purpose in life and for all eternity is meant to be in awe of how great God is. God designed you to recognize and celebrate and proclaim how 
awesome he is. That's what you're designed for. And so God calls us to celebrate him, to enjoy how glorious he is in himself. And, and I, I want you to recognize this morning that if you don't understand that, life will never make sense to you. No matter how many books you read, no matter how many experiences you have, no matter how much money you have, no matter how much success you have, no matter how many friends you have, no matter how healthy you are, if you don't understand that God is working to exalt His great name, you won't understand life. But when you understand and when you embrace this, you will be able to not only think clearly about daily life, you'll be able to thrive in life, even when it's challenging, because you will understand what so many people are clueless to, that God is working to exalt His great name. Now, God not only works toward exalting His great name, Contrary to what many believe, God also works toward lifting up the lowest in society. I wonder if you're here this morning and you feel like, I have nothing to offer. If you were to be honest, if you were to say, throughout my life, I have been put down. I have been treated as worthless. I see everyone else being skillful and successful. I'm unskilled. I'm unsuccessful. I don't have a lot of money. I'm not educated. I wonder if that's you here this morning. I'm an outsider. God wants you to understand something. Not only does he want you to understand something, he also wants everyone else who feels like they have it all together to understand something. Whether you feel like you have nothing to offer and you're an outsider, or whether you feel like, hey, I'm on top of the world, I got it all going on. God wants both of you to understand something. Here's what it is. God works to exalt the humble. God works to exalt the humble. Look at verse 46 again. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Now I want to take a moment and address something. Contrary to what many people have thought, Mary was not immaculately conceived. There is a teaching that Mary was born perfect, that she was born without sin. But the Bible doesn't teach that. Mary was born a sinner like the rest of us. Mary struggled with the desire to lie. She struggled to fight against bitterness. She had to battle against temptations to gossip to be self-centered. 
Mary was not perfect. How do we know that? Well, we can see right here from this passage, look in verse 47, look in your Bibles, just what the Bible says. Not man-made tradition. What does the Bible say? Mary says, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Jesus calls God her Savior because she knew she needed to be saved from her sin. She needed a Savior who could forgive her, who could deliver her to live a godly life. Now, I want you to notice as Mary continues in this song what she has to say about the humble versus the proud in society. Very important for you to think clearly about this contrast. The contrast between the humble and the proud. Look at verse 47. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Now look in verse 48. Notice how Mary says, For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. What's she saying there? Mary is saying, I'm a nobody. That's what she's saying. The mother of Jesus Christ is saying, I'm a nobody. She's not a person of influence. She's not a person of financial means. She's the type of person that you would walk right by and not even notice. She doesn't have life experience. She's young, 12 to 16 years of age. And Mary says, you've paid attention to me, me. I'm a nobody. And yet, and yet... All generations are going to call me, me, this nobody, blessed. Are you getting a hold of what's happening here? This isn't how it works in our world. You see, God tips the world's ways upside down. We know that Mary wasn't middle class. She wasn't even lower middle class. Mary was poor. You understand, Joseph and Mary were poor people. In Luke chapter 2, they go to the temple, they bring baby Jesus with them, and they offer a sacrifice. And you know what the Bible says their sacrifice was? Two birds. That's what people from the ghetto would offer, okay? They're poor. This is the woman 
that God brought the Savior through. Do you get that? Do you understand what God is doing here? It's designed intentionally, and you're supposed to grab a hold of the implications of what God is doing here. Look at verse 50. Mary continues. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. Now look, he has scattered the proud in their thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. But look, and exalted those of humble estates. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich, he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her, that's Elizabeth, about three months and returned to her home. You see how God is working as he's bringing Jesus into the world, as he's bringing the gospel, the good news of salvation. In the gospel, God exalts the humble and he brings down the proud. Do you understand that that's how God works? That that's what God was doing and is doing in Jesus Christ. Listen to what Tim Keller says about the gospel regarding the, the poor and the rich, the outcasts and the in crowd. He says about the gospel, it tells the poor it doesn't matter their pedigree. The poor are hearing from the world all this. The world is saying to the poor, you're uneducated. You can't spell. You don't have fathers and mothers with good pedigree. You don't have connections. You can't provide for your children. Religion comes along and says, yes, the good, the people with character get to God. And the bad do not. Christianity comes along and says, no, salvation is a supernatural act of grace. The gospel comes along and says that the nicest and most decent people, the people with the connections, are every bit as lost as the prostitutes and the pimps. And if you are a prostitute or a pimp, and you come to him, you become a prophet, a priest, and a king before him. That's the gospel. That lifts up the poor, but it pulls down the rich. Not only does the gospel show the poor that they're no worse than anyone else, it shows the middle class and the upper class that they're no better. You know, there's not 
two kinds of people in the world, the good and the bad. There's one kind of people in the world, the bad, and whether you're saved or not, Jesus came to meet us all where we're at. I want you to listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 26, says about how God exalts the humble but brings down the proud. Verse 26, for consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Now look, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being, here's the purpose of it all, look at verse 29 again, so that no human being might, what? Boast in the presence of God. Why does God work to bring down the proud, but to exalt, lift up the humble? Because the proud will never exalt God. And that's what God created the universe to do. That's why he designed you to exalt him. You see, the very nature of pride is self-exaltation. The very nature of pride is I can do it all on my own. I am self-sufficient. I heard a guy who was a motivational speaker, and he was talking about his life and the success that he had. And he said before the whole crowd, he goes, I made this. He goes, I made this. And you know what the crowd did? Who's he exalting? Not God. And that's why God will always bring the proud down. They will be brought low. But the humble, they will exalt God. Why? Because the humble have nothing to show off but God. The humble say, what do I have to offer? What am I? Who am I? I'm nothing without God. Apart from His grace, apart from His mercy, I'm nothing. And so what do the humble do? They point to how great He is, how merciful He is, how loving He is, how kind He is, how forgiving He is. Look at Him. Look at Him. Not me. He's great. You see, this is how God works. 
And this is why God exalts the humble. Why? Because the higher the humble are lifted up, the happier they are to lower themselves and point everyone else to the one who's lifted them up. God is working to exalt himself, and he's working to exalt the humble. So that, like Mary, they could say, my soul rejoices, I magnify the Lord who looked on me in my humble estate. What's Christmas all about? Christmas, of course, is far more than nostalgic feelings and getting together with family, although that's great. Praise God for nostalgic feelings and being able to get together with family, but it's far more than that. Christmas is far more than a manger and a star and Bethlehem and shepherds and wise men from the east. It's far more than that, although those are important historical details. But you got to see the bigger picture. Christmas is about God entering into the womb of a young female from an obscure village in Israel to come into the creation that he made and exalt his great name and exalt the humble. It's about God doing that through bringing salvation. Now you might be here this morning and you might say, Pastor Eric, this does not sound like good news to me, honestly. I, I came to this Christmas service to be encouraged and to, to have a positive outlook on life. And I got to be honest, I don't want to exalt God. You kidding me? I don't wake up and live my life to exalt God. And you might say, and I got to be honest, I don't want to humble myself before people. I like being prideful. I like exalting myself. I might not admit that to other people, but I like that. If that's you this morning, what you need to do is you need to look beyond the manger where Jesus was born and you need to look ahead to the cross where Jesus died. You see, it's on the cross that when you see the significance of it, you will be able to humble yourself. Why? When you truly see the cross for what it is, you will recognize that your sin before God is so horrific that the Son of God needed to be violently killed on the cross because of how you've lived your life. 
The words that come out of your mouth, the thoughts that have been in your head, the motives in your heart, the things you've done to people and didn't do for people, that stuff is so terrible, Jesus needed to have spikes driven through his wrists and die. That humbles you. You cannot look at the cross and walk, if you see it for what it really is, you cannot walk away prideful. Nobody can. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how educated you are. I don't care how beautiful you are. I don't care how popular you are. If you see the cross for what it is, you cannot walk away exalting yourself. You will humble yourself every time. The reason you're not humbling yourself, you're not seeing it for what it is. And so I'm encouraging you, gaze into it. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. When you look at the cross, you also see that God mercifully, willingly went to the cross on your behalf. He gladly laid down his life so you would not have to pay the penalty for your sin in hell. He faced hell so you wouldn't have to. You understand how this works? So when you look at the cross, it humbles you. But when you look at the cross, it also brings joy to your heart. It brings humility and it brings praise to God. When you see the cross for what it is, you recognize I needed a Savior, but you also recognize I have a Savior. So you can simultaneously humble yourself and be joyful, exalt God. That's how you're humble and joyful at the same time, is by the cross. And I wonder this morning... If you're here and God is revealing to you, you have never surrendered your life to Jesus. You have never embraced the cross for yourself. You've been looking at the cross as something that was done out there, but not as something that was done for me personally, that I desperately needed. Something that gives the name Jesus meaning God saves. And I want to invite you this morning, if you've never received Jesus for your salvation, call out to him in faith. Invite him to forgive you. Believe in him. Trust that he died for you, that he rose again from the dead on the third day so that you could be saved. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God Almighty, what an awesome thing to reflect on how you used young Mary to change the world. The way you work, God, is so different than the way that we would think you would work. Would you help us, Lord, to receive all that you've revealed in our passage today. Teach us, Lord, to 
live lives with these lenses on. Help us to see the significance of Christmas beyond a story that we've heard many times but maybe never grasped the significance of. We want to see the significance of the manger and the cross. Of the Son of Mary and the Son of God. God, we thank you for how you used Mary. We know that we're not called to worship her or pray to her. But God, we praise you for her and we do admire her. We thank you, Lord, how you use people like Mary, like us, 